Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, everybody. The podcast dedicated to helping you navigate these hypersexualized times. And in today's episode, Benji and I, we're going to talk about emotions, which is really, really cool because a lot of times when you talk about emotions, it's very, I don't know, two-dimensional. I don't want to say one-dimensional. I'm going to say two-dimensional. And we've dealt with emotions in the past in many different episodes. We've touched on the topic. But in this episode, we're told to trust our guts, to trust our intuition, to trust our feelings. And yet, if you look at the Western world, where most people are really a slave to their emotions, to their feelings, it's not working out so well. So how do we figure out that balance between trusting our feelings and figuring out whether our feelings are true? Because sometimes we have some weird feelings that if we were to pursue probably wouldn't pan out so well. Like punching that person in traffic or like, I don't know, in terms of sexuality, if every time you pursued a sexual feeling, you'd probably end up in jail pretty quickly. So how do we understand how to follow our emotions, which emotions to follow? Well, good news. In this episode, we actually figure out through our conversation, a methodology to figure out the nature of an emotion and how to pursue it with great conviction and authority. It's a great episode. Please listen, enjoy, take notes, learn, love, see it inside. Welcome, welcome. So he and I have been doing our own kind of solo episodes. And I've been seeing other people. I've been interviewing other people. But we wanted to come back today. And I wanted to really bring up this topic because it came up, I think, off and on throughout our conversations, but then it came up and it popped up in my face last week when I was in, I was talking to Dr. Kone Drissa, where he's talking about Islam believes that everybody should get married. There's no monastics, like there's no celibacy kind of shtick with them, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody should get married. And you should get married not because of your feelings, but because, you know, it's good for society, <laughs> Right. Which is like the exact opposite of the trend in the Western world, which is like not getting married, regardless of the impact on society. But that just brought up like how strong, I don't think we realize how much we believe in the tale that we've been told through every movie we've ever seen about couples or any romantic songs, any love songs, about the importance of feeling in love, like how important that is in your life. And I really feel like a lot of people's relationships hang on the balance of whether they feel in love with somebody or not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to unpack that a bit because we we have brushed over. That's not a thing. Yeah, We've touched on it, but we've never gone deep. And I want to unpack that to see how how much that actually drives a lot of our actions, right? Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on the matter? Off the tip, off the top? Yeah, off the tip. <laughs> I guess as a backdrop for me, I can share from my personal experience, which we'll probably get into. My wife and I just came back from Hawaii, Honolulu for a five-day getaway. Just my wife and I without the kids. Hot. Yeah, it was hot. It was it was sexy. Hawaii is beautiful. It's probably as as great as people say it is. I, I had a great time. And I'm just saying that as a backdrop and to make everyone jealous. <laughs> so that's it? That's all you're going to say? It. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> I thought you were going to tie that into falling in love with your wife somehow. I thought no. this was going somewhere. Yeah, it will, it will tie in. Yeah. I guess the bottom line is we've come a long way as a couple to getting to a place where we enjoy going on vacation together. <laughs> okay, cool. Thanks, Benji. Yeah, okay. Well, growing up, Benji, you grew up religiously. I didn't. 
And so I believed in the idea of falling in love. I thought I had fallen in love a bunch of times growing up and I would usually try to pursue that. But growing up, did you, what did you do with these feeling in love feelings? What did I do with them? Yeah, like you didn't act on them, but what did you do? I guess as a a person of faith, that's what I would call myself. I always believed that I wanted what I wanted in the long run. I guess that's how I was taught, honestly, educated, is that in the end, the end goal is to find someone and create an eternal relationship with that is beyond just this lifetime and beyond just the superficial or beyond just feelings. So that's kind of where the where my mentality was. But even though, you know, of course, you have feelings, have emotions, have attraction, attachment, crushes, all that, which we go into a lot in different episodes. But I think even through those, it's kind of like my parents were kind of like, oh, it's it's a phase. You know, they didn't, you know, condemn me or anything like that or call me satanic or evil to say, yep, it's <laughs> it's it's maybe even a God-given characteristic to have the, that attraction, that those feelings. But the question is, what are those attractions based off of? And where do we learn those? And how do we direct that in a productive way instead of a way that destroys us? So that's kind of how my parents approached it. But when I was really in it, it was kind of hard to see that picture. Yeah. But at the time, I kind of just phased, you know, it was a phase, right? For me. It's really, really hard, especially when you're young. You could hear all the lectures in the world, but a feeling's a feeling. And a strong feeling is mesmerizing. It's hard to snap out of that, right? There's people that go insane because they obsess over somebody, right? They they fall in love, as they say, but they they just completely obsess over them. They can't sleep or they're like their whole life changes, you know? So it is really strong. So that's why I'm very curious and I'm very also sympathetic for young people who are asked to carry the weight of no sex before marriage because it's not easy, especially in this world, right? And I guess I equate falling in love with sex because I just conflated the two. But I guess the idea that your feelings obviously matter, right, Benji? Like if you were sad and I'm like, ah, get over it, right? It's very insensitive of me because your feelings do matter. But I guess the question is, how much do they matter? Because I think we're living in a time when people are under the impression that their feelings matter more than a commonly perceived reality, right? Like, I feel this way, therefore you all have to change your ways because I feel this way. And it's like, that's not sustainable. But that's a weird balance that I don't, I don't think we've discussed. It's like, you know, feelings matter, but how much? Because feelings change. So how much do you want to invest in those feelings? Like, how much do you live your life, Benji, based off of your feelings? Every day. And- <laughs> like, literally, I wake up and I go, how do I feel today? What do I want to do today? I don't, I'm serious. I don't plan. <laughs> but you don't do everything based off your feelings. I just had a conversation However, two hours before this where there's a guy that does everything based off of how he feels, but he's in a particularly dark place. So it doesn't feel like doing yeah. anything. So his body and his mind are telling him, oh no, it's okay to lie in bed for 18 hours a day and just stare at my computer because that's how I feel. But that's in many ways a lie because it's not really who he wants to be. Nobody would want to be stuck in a basement staring at their computer for 18 hours a day. It's not, it's not healthy. Yeah, I think that's key for me too. Like I said, I do follow my feelings every day, but I generally trust my feelings. I think that's a different thing, right? I generally trust that my feelings are more of an internal and more of an intuitive feeling rather than a somehow influenced feeling based on something that's meaningless or external or superficial. If that makes sense. Well, no, it doesn't. And you gotta, we got to unpack that because that's like, you're saying I that mean, there's tears of feelings. There's like- well, I do. I do believe that. I mean, this okay. is something that 
personally, because I work a lot with people who are preparing for marriage, right? And they go through this exact question all the time is I'm talking with somebody and considering marriage, receiving the blessing, and I have feelings or I don't have feelings. Should I have feelings? Is it okay to have feelings? And all these questions come up and you can't just say, no, you can't have feelings because obviously, like you said, God gave, we are given feelings for a reason. There's a reason our brain and our body works that way. So instead of saying, no, don't have feelings, how I teach and I think is more helpful is there are certain motivations for having feelings that are influenced by certain sources of things in our lives. Like pornography is a huge source of skewing the way that we view traction or what is attractive in a person, externally speaking. So if you are like most people are, just an example, if you're knee deep in a porn addiction and you're trying to find a partner your perspective on what is beautiful and attractive is very skewed compared to somebody that has had control over that and has been able to have some self-control and change their perspective and rewire their brain away from porn. But it's not just that. It's just the societal perspective on what is beauty in general. That's an example, right, that I'm talking about is if you follow those feelings, if your feelings are based on what you've kind of where you consume and what you spend your time, chances are it's not going to lead you in a very productive direction. So what I'm hearing is that there are pure feelings and then there are impure, not meaning like bad, but meaning they've been influenced by an outside source. They're not purely from you. It's like you're seeing through the lens of the stuff that you've been ingesting. So movies or whatever. So those are kind of not your pure feelings. No. Would you, is that, is that what you're saying? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. I mean, this, but what you're saying you have is... You've been working on yourself for long enough to be able to trust your feelings, meaning that you've purified your ability to figure out what's truly from you, feeling-wise. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, more or less. I mean, not perfectly, but <laughs> yeah. Because I'm yeah, I'm trying to get to the heart of that. Like, because if you think about it, there are clearly like very reactive, impulsive feelings. Something that just popped up and like, I feel like doing this right? And then there are deeper feelings like a sense of destiny. It's hard to quantify that, right? It's like, I just feel like I need to do this and it's hard to explain. Like field of dreams, right? It's a great metaphor where everybody's trying to figure out like, what are you talking about? You need to build a baseball field. It's like, I can't explain it. I just need to, and he just builds it. It's just the sense that he has that it, something needs to happen and it's kind of unfolding from him. And to be honest, that is largely the religious life as described by any ancient text based on the leaders like Jesus or Muhammad or Buddha. A lot of it is like they're talking about, they're talking to God or to the source and they're saying, this is right, this is true. And you're supposed to base whether that's true off of your conscience or your intuition, which is all perceived, right? So basically, I'm just trying to figure out there's levels of feelings. There's some that are really deep core, like they're in your bones, feelings like a sense of destiny, a sense of purpose, sense of mission. And then there are, I want candy, or I, like a, a lot of us these days are like, I want to go on Instagram. This feeling like, I guess instead of, I mean, here's a question for you. How much do you evaluate the source of these feelings before you run with them? Because you also have kids, you also have a wife, you have responsibilities, right? So you can't just be like, I feel like going to Africa, everybody, see ya. Because then your family will be like, yo, 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 we still need, you know, you and your money. <laughs> Not just your money, we need you too. <laughs> no, I, the last few days, that's how I've been feeling. Like, I want to just like leave. <laughs> yeah. So then what are you, how are you handling? This is an important case study, right? You are 
getting this feeling. You were mentioning it in a meeting yesterday that you want to go to Japan. So how are you evaluating the quality of that feeling, whether that's just this impulsive sense to want to escape your environment in this particular case, or a real calling like you should be there because there's something important for you to get from there. How do you figure out what's true and what's not in terms of feelings? If you're asking me, it's just asking myself why a lot. Like, why do I want this? And just peeling back those layers. Anytime that I feel really strong impulse, whether it's positive positive emotion or negative emotion, I always try to peel back the reason why and just keep asking that. Like, why do I want to go to Japan, for example? Well, for this reason, because I want to visit our in-laws or relatives, bring my kids there. I also want to just leave America because we've been stuck here for a while and <laughs> I got the travel bug by going to Hawaii and I want to travel more. But also there's a sense of like, I just want to escape right now. So if I'm really mature and think about it logically, yeah, it's not the best time right now to go for us. So we just have to put it off and be a little mature with that. So it's it's really just being honest with myself. And I think that's what it really comes down to with the emotions that we're feeling is, yeah, we can say all we want on the surface, but if we're really honest with ourselves, in the end, we're the only ones that can decide what is true and what is just inflated by some kind of I don't know what to call it, negative feeling, but it's really just about peeling back those layers and keep asking myself why. And I found, I found that that's extremely effective for even like pornography. I'm always bringing back to this because I know a lot of our listeners are with us, right? Because of porn. And I find that that's one of the most effective things to ask people in groups, especially when people are struggling and asking them what happened if they slipped up and not just saying like, oh, I felt this way, therefore I did it. I felt like acting or I felt stressed out, therefore I used porn to escape. Okay, sure. well, let's identify why did you feel stressed out? I'm not saying, I'm not labeling it as a wrong emotion to be stressed or frustrated or you're fighting with your wife or whatever, your spouse. Let's peel that back a little bit, figure out what happened and address the cause of the symptom, which is porn and address the cause at the core without and addressing the reason for why you use porn in the first place. So I think it's really effective. I mean, porn itself is an impulsive decision that we make based on feelings as well, right? Even there are studies that show that most of the reason people watch porn is not just because we're visual creatures or because it's addictive. It's because it's a relief from stressful emotions like stress and anxiety in our life. Anyways, I was taking, I like that. taking that turn because I'm always trying to bring it back to that point in some way. No, I hear you. I hear you. There's a lot in there. And I think I think we do. This is actually a really important topic because one thing that's really interesting is that time slows down as you age and being impulsive is less of an attractive trait when you're elder, right? Even just like, let's go somewhere. It's like getting off the couch becomes a little harder every year that you remain on this earth. So this idea of asking yourself, why is, again, is like a sobering question. You're figuring out your motivation and you tend to do that more when you're older. It's kind of like you just act impulsively, definitely between the ages of one and three and four. You're completely beholden to your emotions, right? I'm happy. Let's play. I'm angry. I'm going to throw this thing at your head, right? You're completely a slave to those, whatever emotion is kind of coming to you. But the older you get, the idea is that you are able to ask yourself what's really the truth here, right? And so what you propose is asking why is this filtration question to get to the core of what it is that you really want. And I would suggest that an even better, like an upgraded version of that is asking why together with somebody, right? So I'm sure you're not just having this discussion in your own head. You're also talking to your wife about it, which is 
obviously important because our actions start to influence more and more people's lives the more that we take on responsibility. So consulting with these people saying, what do you think about this? And hearing different feedback, hearing people fully support you and seeing how does that feel? Hearing people say, you're a crazy person. and How does that feel? I love that. I love getting into debates about big decisions because you can see what you're willing to stand up for, right? If it's just like a feeling like, I want to do this. And somebody's like, nah, you'd, you'd look like an idiot if you did that. And you just give up, then guess what? You didn't really want it that badly. You're not willing to fight for it. But when you get a little scrappy and you're like, ooh, they said, no, I can't have this. I want it even more now. And it's like, okay, well, what are you willing to sacrifice? And I did hear a talk this morning. I heard somebody talking about actions are the true measure of your feelings, your true, true feelings, right? So if you act on something and you invest in it and you're willing to kind of stick your neck out or put some skin in the game, put some money, energy, or whatever, emotion into it, then it's more likely that that feeling will grow and turn into something, right? Mm -hmm. So evaluating whether it's a good thing or not with other people is very important because if you're single, talking to your parents is super important about feelings. And that's something that doesn't exist in our society right now. It's like, I like this girl, therefore I'm going to go talk to her and you know try to get into a relationship with her, right? And there's no consulting anybody. But when you talk to your parents, it's like, hey, I have this feeling about this girl. And they'd be like, I know this one parent that will always ask their kid, well, what do you think they're going to be like in 10, 20 years? Like, what kind of character would that person have now if that were to scale out? What would that look like as a mother like this? Because a lot of the things that we think are attractive because of movies are actually the worst qualities in a spouse, right? Like the dark, mysterious guy in all the movies. He's the worst husband. He doesn't know how to communicate, right? Or like the free girl who's like, I let's just go on like go to Las Vegas right now. It's, it's 2 a.m. It doesn't matter. Like that's not a good candidate for like a long-term spouse, right? So talking to your parents, talking to elders is also very sobering because you can also hear your motivation, but you can hear different perspectives. What is your experience in your marriage with feeling like giving up at certain points or feeling like you didn't want to do this thing? And why did you, you not <laughs> run away? From marriage? Yeah. Because you're talking about past experiences, right? Feeling yeah, like yeah. But like in your own relationship, I mean, it's not like you always felt like doing this marriage thing, right? No, no. There is, there's at least a year straight where I was, it was on a thread like our relationship. And then it was like three years, it was like a rope. <laughs> and then we patched it up and now it's like, a, <laughs> I was going to use the Titanic as an analogy. And I was like, well, no, that actually sank. That's terrible. Well, I feel like we're really on steady ground. But so a lot of communication. Honey, this is how I'm feeling right now. I don't know what to do with my feelings right now. Mm. Communication with friends. Because there's certain things where I'm like, honey, I feel like you're doing this right now. And like, I feel this way, like, I don't know what to do about it. If she can't give me any insight, because she's also in the thick of it, I need to go outside of our relationship. I need to talk to people. I would talk to anybody that I trusted and ask their opinion. Like I really, you know, was an open book. Keeping things closed is the best way to ruin a relationship. Hmm. Keeping things open. And that doesn't mean posting on Facebook, I'm struggling because you'll get all sorts of weird advice. But talking to people that you trust. Yeah, I, I definitely consulted a lot of people. And I also constantly communicated. 
They say, you know, the stereotypical man doesn't know how to share his feelings. I don't know how to shut up about my feelings. Like, I don't know how to stop talking about things with my wife. Like she often I'll be in the middle of like this monologue and she'll just start looking at her phone or something, you know? So sharing as much as humanly possible and processing, processing, processing. I get a lot because when I talk a lot, I can hear what's true and what's nonsense from myself. Mm -hmm. But I also, when you hear feedback from other people and they're like, well, from my perspective, it looks like this. It's very helpful. Because you know what happened? Can I just say one one really good point is a lot of times if you're griping about your wife to somebody, if they agree with you and say, yeah, they sound crazy. One interesting benefit, if your motivations are really pure, is like you start to say like, wait, don't say that about my wife, even though they're just confirming what you said. You're like, no. And then you start to side with your your spouse a little bit more because you're like, I don't want other people to agree with me that I don't like my wife. Like, I want to like my wife, you know? And there's this, this a very interesting byproduct that I noticed once with my friend's mom because she was ranting about her mom's like, my mom's like this, my mom's like this. And I was like, yeah, your mom does suck. She's like, you can't say that about my mom. I was like, I was just going along with you. Like, and then she's like, you, but I'm the only one that can say it, you know? So sharing, there's a multitude of benefits from sharing is what I was yeah. going to say. I think that when you're sharing that, that point, that ability to share is one of the most important uh, factors that determines if someone is more susceptible to difficulty in their lives and stress and anxiety and addiction, right? I think it's not really a man or woman thing. Like you're saying, some men or women are different, but generally speaking, people who are more able to handle their emotions and their negative feelings in a productive way are way less susceptible to addictions than people who will just bottle it up and explode all over the place, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, that's a beautiful, it's something I definitely work on. It's definitely something my wife is more, much better at than I am. But I think for anyone that's listening, it's a really key thing that you can think about is whether it's marital conflict, whether it's personal pornography, conflict, sexual integrity, parenting conflict, it all comes down to how are we able to deal with these emotions? Some are negative, some are positive, but particularly the really stressful negative emotions, how do we deal with them in a productive way instead of just bottle it up? How do we actually release them? Because they're going to release in some way and it's either going to be healthy or it's going to be destructive for us. And I guess yeah. what you've found to do is just to talk about it, right? Yeah. And you know what? This idea of falling in love with somebody and going with your feelings is very much like this idea of winning the lottery. When I'm rich, my problems will go away. When, you know, like there's something about you that believes that this feeling is going to whisk you away from this ordinary life that you have and is going to take you to some magical place where everything's okay. And that's, again, largely movies because that whole happily ever after thing is it doesn't explain a lot that happily ever after is the real meat of our life is like the real where all the magic happens. So having this feeling is, uh, is really delusional. And it's so much better to go through real stuff with somebody and to really get to know them before you get into a relationship with them, because those feelings cannot last in that way in that state forever. Nothing lasts forever in its present state that everything shifts and like turns shape and reforms. And if you're not ready for that, if you're really relying on this feeling, you become a bit of a control freak because you try to manipulate everything to just 
keep this feeling, kind of like a drug addict, right? It's like, how do I keep this feeling going for as long as possible? A lot of people end up like that and they become very insecure when they lose the feeling of being in love because that's the basis of their relationship with that person. But when you're secure because you know yourself and you know this person, you know who they really are, then when the bad feelings come, you can wait them out. And when the good feelings are there, you can ride them like a beautiful wave, but you're not reliant on this wave lasting forever because no wave does. Waves come and waves go, right? Good and bad. So does the undertow, right? So I just think it's highly unproductive to worry about feelings so much and to be rooted in something much greater than feelings, a sense of commitment to a certain life, to a certain character, to a certain standard of living. And then when the feelings come and go, it's really like the breeze. When you're walking down the street, if the wind comes, you're like, hey, it's the wind. You don't like stop walking because it's windy, right? You just keep on walking. It's just a little windy. You're like, I'm still going to go to the place I'm going to because it's windy. We came here and there's like a lot of snow outside. It's like, yep, it's snowing. We're still going to go to school, kids, <laughs> right? You don't right. stop living life because the conditions around you change. Unless you live in North Carolina. Or in which case... We snows, we cancel school. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess in the mountains, we're a little tougher here. So <laughs> yeah, it's just, I'd like for you to address this topic, which is I had a call with somebody maybe two weeks ago and he was going, no, maybe a month ago. And he's going through a matching process with somebody and he's fine. He's pretty secure in himself. And he's been really working on himself with high noon, but his, the woman that he's in a process with is really worried because they've been in the matching process for like five months and she doesn't feel in love with him. And she's really worried about what that means. So I'm sure you've dealt with a lot of similar cases before. How do you advise such a couple? Yeah. I mean, I usually would just share my own experience if you guys are tired of hearing that. But there's one thing I, did, I didn't share about my story that I want to touch a little bit and maybe that'll help answer this question sure. is that we, I've shared before, like my wife and I, similar to Andrew, you know, like he just shared, went through years at a time where it was just, you know, paper thin, our relationship or the, the thread keeping us together. And I mean, it, it was really dire. Like, honestly, when I would talk to people, they'd be like, okay, like that sounds serious. And one person in particular was like, that doesn't sound <laughs> like you you guys are going to make it. Like, it doesn't sound like you guys are in love, you know? And he he was like that. He was just honest, you know, good guy. He wasn't being anything like, he was, he was being honest and trying to be helpful, right? And it really made me think about it, right? He's like, are we really like doomed because we don't love it? We don't feel that feeling. Are we really, you know, this is like, six, seven years into our, our marriage, by the way, <laughs> it was not the beginning. But I remember thinking like now when I think about that moment, those times where it was such a low point in our, in our lives, we're really seeing the pits of hell. It never felt like I didn't love my wife. Does that make sense? Like I never felt, I mean, of course it was stressful. Of course I was upset a lot, frustrated. We were fighting a lot, but I never felt like I don't want to do this. Like I don't, I don't, I honestly never felt like I want to give up. I never felt there wasn't love here still. Mm. Yeah, And I thought that was really interesting. Like, I don't feel like there's no love when you're really in it. When I think about it now from like a third party perspective, or if I heard of somebody in a similar situation, I would be like, oh my gosh, you guys aren't having sex for you. Like, that's what you do in a couple. You guys are, you guys are. Yeah, you're you know, doomed. You're doomed. Like, that's how we would think on the surface. And that's how people typically think in society. Yeah. Sure. If you don't love each other, there's no reason to keep together. But I never felt like that when I was really in it. I just, I liked being a dad. I liked being a husband. I made it work, even though it was stressful as hell. 
And I just continued to try to grow from it. And that was it. And that's well, like, that right there is like, that's the basis of our relationship, our blessing is I want to grow from this and I want to become a more loving person. That's what I signed up for. And this is what I signed up for. So I had no reason to complain or moan about my wife being an unloving person or this or that and go to everyone and complain about her because in the end, I got to grow from it from and I got to be a man. So yeah. would you say that it's because, and this is an important point, more than your commitment to her as a person, you're committed to the role of being a husband, to the institution of marriage, or to the commitment of what you are getting into rather than just the individual. Because I do see it, there are days when you kind of stop believing in the person, right? Especially when you're at each other's throats, you're like, you're not the person I signed up for, whatever. All these voices come in, but if you, if you go back to, well, what am I actually committed to? If you're truly committed to the process, of being a husband for the long haul, then it eliminates the option. And that's kind of one thing that I always ask people to do is like, do us all a favor. And before you get married, get to a place where you can stand in front of that person and you can say yes forever. And you lock the back door. There's no escape. There's no back door. You board up all the windows. You say, let's get, let's get to work, right? Unless you have that level of commitment, you'll always be wondering if there's a way out. There's like a part of you that this weaselly little part of you, this little child inside of you that wants an easy way out of a hard situation. And if you waste so much time and energy suffering because you're not addressing the problem because you're trying to escape the problem. You know what I mean? Like you're wasting mental energy thinking, is this right? Should I? Well, this person treats me better. What about them? And then you like, it's, it's torture. You're torturing yourself rather than just being like, actually, we just need to patch things up. Actually, we just need to work on things. And so, yeah, period. I'm just going to end it there. <laughs> this was something that, I mean, I guess going back to that situation that you were asking about, this uh, couple is about to get married. I would say, you know, love is an action. It's, it is a feeling, but it's also something that comes and goes and we change and we evolve over time. So I wouldn't get hung up on that feeling in particular. There are literally, I mean, there are couples, there are so many couples out there that fall in and out of love almost on a daily basis. And my wife, I mean, basically, she didn't like me very much for a very long time. I only, feel like, I only feel like, yeah, right. Like recently, she's starting to like warm up to the idea of me. <laughs> this guy who literally weighs twice as much as her. Well, you know what? The more that you talk about this idea of being in love, it really seems like when you're on the quintessential American diet of, say, hamburger, pizza, microwavable meals, all this stuff, it's so laden with salt that it destroys your palate and you can't taste the nuance of real delicious foods. But somebody with an, a developed palate, you know, like those wine tasters or those cheese tasters, they're like, oh, this cheese tastes like it was aged in a cave in North Ireland. Those type of people, they have a palate that's been trained. And I believe that love is the same way, is that the way that love is expressed through films, through songs and all that is like salt to our soul. And we expect this massive flavor and we miss out on all the nuance. Love can take on so many different feelings and expressions. There's those moments that you can experience love in a relationship that can only be felt after 10 years or after five years or whatever. It's like this feeling of somebody putting their hand on your shoulder and you just know who it is and you know how they feel and they know what they're thinking based off of their hand on your shoulder. And that's a sense of belonging and love that cannot be experienced into you really know somebody and have been through stuff with them. 
all that is lost when you're trying to pursue this obnoxiously loud sound of love that's being broadcast through these media waves, right? But the real reality of love, there's of course the big acts of love and these grand expressions why everybody cries at a wedding, right? But then there's like that tender love of seeing an old couple reaching for each other's hands and not even looking for each other's hands, but they're both their hands are looking for each other's hands. And it's just like these little creatures. that are. <laughs> that's this beauty that cannot be quantified or categorized. It's just, it just is. And it can only be experienced if you are in it for the long haul. So what I'm saying is the feeling of love is not bad, but that's just like this loud, childish version of something that as it ages becomes more refined, more beautiful, more succinct, more artistic, more full on, but you cannot experience it from that early stage. It's not to judge either one. It's just one's less mature than the other. I think that the foundation of a strong relationship is what's important to me and the reason for why people come together. It's a very strange concept, very esoteric for people to understand. If they don't have, I would say, kind of more typical faith-based mentality of like the purpose of life, the purpose of relationship for a lot of people is, and for me, for us, right, is it's to grow, essentially. It's to expand our love. It's to be able to love people, to yeah. expand our capacity to love each other and become a more full man or woman as a result and ultimately resemble unconditional love. Well, God's love, what do you want? whatever you want to call it. That's not a concept that we talk about a lot, like in society, in media, in movies, is how do you, be, except Interstellar, which is our favorite movie. But, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> we, by the way, everybody out there, Benji and I, the only time we've really been kind of alone together we pushed everybody in the world away from us and we went to a place and cranked interstellar and just watched it and it was magical and we didn't cry um. <laughs> i was kind of disappointed because i always cry for some reason wasn't in the mood no anyways my point is andrew that, <laughs> that like you asked me earlier like why do I want what is my commitment to my marriage my blessing it's that i want together with my spouse not by myself I want to become a whole entity of love of sure. that people feel our kids feel people feel everywhere we go. That's who I want to be. And that's the backdrop of my entire life. Like everything I do, right, is for that purpose of being a loving person. So whatever happens in our marriage, at the end of the day, if I can say I am a more loving person to my spouse, to my kids, because of this experience, even if it's difficult, then I'm doing what I'm supposed to do on the planet. When I realize that and I stop trying to make my marriage about just looking good and being happy all the time, which I originally thought, I thought it was just going to be sunshine and razo, rainbows, razos. You know, all the razors, <laughs> sunshine and razors <laughs> all the time. But it was more like going through a flame, you know, it was walking through hell, right? So when I return in my mentality and I realized that, oh my God, this is, this is what it's about. This is the purpose of what, this is what I signed up for. Then I started calm down. I stopped being a judgy little biatch to my wife and saying, you need to do this. You need to be more affectionate. You need to say, I love you. You need to hold my hand when we do this. You need to have more sex with me. I stopped complaining all the time. I realized, oh, wait, this is what it's about. Oh, yeah, this is why I signed up for. And 11 years later, still got a lot, a lot of time to go, but, you know, we're happy. We're happy. We're honestly sure. like, I mean, beyond anything we ever thought possible, way more in love than we were at the beginning that I ever thought we would possibly be in the beginning of a relationship, emotionally speaking, you know? Yeah, I hear you. 
I think that's true. And that all those altercations and confrontations and all that stuff that you guys went to in many ways is like a sandblaster that's rounding your edges because you, you especially, you and I are very sparky people. We're very hot blooded people. And I, I could see that at the end of this thing, like when you and Hitue are 89 years old, let's say, and you're winding down that she's going to start swearing more and you're going to be super chill. It's kind of like you'll absorb each other and kind of round each other out and just become more in the middle. And that process of like emotionally, maybe you're close together, but realistically your characters, when you start a relationship, you're kind of worlds apart and every step closer towards the middle is an adjustment and takes a lot of effort. But the more steps you take, the more that you are becoming a symbiosis being, uh, some something that, yeah, like an entity that you're saying, like a, a singular being, which is origin, division, union. It's a beautiful concept. So anyway, I hope this helped, guys. I know there's a lot to unpack here. We tried our best this time around to get into the weeds, but the main point of it is that feelings are neither here nor there. It's, you shouldn't judge if you are feeling in love with, with somebody that you're kind of in a process with, or even with your spouse. It's not a bad thing, obviously, but it's not the only thing. And it's not the most important thing at all, how you feel about somebody. It's what you do for them, how you live for them. And if you're single now, you can start practicing that with yourself. How do you feel about yourself? How do you feel about your family and friends? This is really great practice. And if you are married, then how do you clean up that relationship and allow yourself to serve people until until you feel good instead of serving people when you feel good? <laughs> That's another thing. You produce love by living lovingly. So this concept of things become more beautiful the more you love it. Well, that means that the more that you love and serve your spouse, the more they will feel it and the more you'll feel it too. So the feelings are the byproduct of actions over a long-term relationship. Anyway, I hope this is helpful. Thank you, everybody, for listening. God bless your faces. God bless your podcast devices, your phones, whatever. And we'll see you next time. Hey, Andrew Love here. And I wanted to plant a seed in your mind before you go. You see, a lot of people, when they start to consume our content, they listen to our podcast, they watch our videos, they read our blogs, they start to believe in the idea of freedom as a possibility for them in their lives. And it is. You can break free from porn. You can build amazing, eternal relationships. But it requires you to make the jump. It requires you to commit to transformation. And that only happens when you invite other people into your journey. You see, a lot of people think that because I got into porn by myself, I can get out of it by myself. And that's the wrong thinking. It's not about simply removing a negative force from your life. It's about creating fulfillment and connection and intimacy with other people. So we really recommend first and foremost that you build a team of accountability partners, facilitators, group members, and we can do that. We have all that waiting for you, but you need to first reach out to us. If you already have people in your life that you think can help you, we have online courses that will teach you both how to create a dynamic that works in terms of accountability. But if you don't have an accountability partner, we already have volunteers who are waiting for somebody to help. We have groups that are waiting for somebody like you. 
But your role and your job is to merely reach out to us and we can work together with you to create a powerhouse team so that you can build the life of your dreams. We look forward to hearing from you.